So a very good morning to you all. I hope that you are reasonably well rested. I know that it can be uh, an adjustment arriving into a space like this. Some of you are sharing rooms, which is probably an unfamiliar situation to be in. Um, maybe we slept well, maybe we didn't sleep so well. Uh, and you can notice how some of that perception of, oh, I, I didn't get enough sleep last night or whatever can kind of carry through. And really encouraging you, inviting you, inviting all of us to just uh, with each, maybe letting the coming into this space each time be a, a cue to just, you know, begin again. There's no need to have any expectation of how we should be, how we should be feeling. As Chris said yesterday, this really isn't, uh, you're not being assessed in any way. There's no exam, there's no test. And actually, whatever the conditions of the mind and the body in the, in the moment, this is, this is your perfect opportunity for practice. And it's interesting how often we can have a story about what's, what's going on. And then actually, as we really um, step aside from the story and just tune into what's happening right now, we find it's, it's not the case that my bad night's sleep doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to be experiencing sleepiness through the day and so forth. So an encouragement to be expectation free about how you should be and how the day should be and just to um, be open to see what comes. And this is a good kind of um, way to approach the whole experience of being on retreat in general. Right? To just have an open mind about what might happen and what might be learned. So we've been, um, you might have uh, noticed certain themes emerging already just in the, the little bit of orientation and guidance that we've had. The themes of grounding of really um, using the body, coming into the body, coming into contact with the earth to help begin this process of settling mind and body into one place, to, to bringing the whole of this, this uh, psycho-physical organism together, if you like. Um, the theme of, of patience, we're, we're not in any hurry to get anywhere. So there's a real encouragement, permission to slow down. Doesn't mean that one has to become, you know, painstakingly slow in everything we do, but to really allow yourself to have a sense of unhurriedness. And when you find yourself hurrying, there's an opportunity to just notice, oh, hurrying. Uh, to feel what it's like to be hurrying in the body and to just, as Chris said, rest back into the heels and just take a breath, be here. Another, another theme that we'll keep uh, turning towards is the, the theme of friendliness, you know, looking at the quality of the attitude that we're bringing to our practice and to our experience. And this is really a uh, an intrinsic part of mindfulness practice is the weaving through of this quality of, of kindliness, of friendliness, um, of care. Uh, and awakeness, 
Yeah, and awakeness, it doesn't have to be totally determined by the physical condition of the body. So the body can be feeling sleepy or, uh, you know, not at its best, but the mind can be present and bright. And it, it won't always do this on demand, but we start to be develop skill at uh, cultivating the conditions that will help the mind to be, uh, to have this wakeful, uh, relaxed but wakeful attitude. And one of the things that really supports that is just this sense of, of interest or curiosity around the unfolding of our experience. And that again is really supported by uh, being expectation free, being interested without this sense of pressure. Uh, I've got to do it like this or show up like that. I know it can it can sometimes feel a bit intimidating being in a, in a center like Gaia House where there's obviously a sort of a modus operandi, isn't there? There's a way things work and the way that the systems work for the washing up and there's lots of notices all around saying do this and don't do that and one can feel a little bit uh, beset by all that. Uh, but we can just notice when that sense of, oh my goodness, I need to do something right comes up. Actually, no, you have, you know, this is all to help hold us together and it will, it will all work out. And just really um, let yourself relax into the, into the process of being here. So we're going to, uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the, the sitting meditation practice and then we'll, we'll sit together. But before I do that, I want, want to say a little bit more on the subject of posture, because uh, for all of us, probably over the weekend, we're going to be sitting for more, more time cumulatively than we normally do. And that can be a challenge for these bodies. So one of the first things to say is that although Chris and I are sitting on cushions on the floor, we don't want to, we really don't want to convey the message that that is the better or the proper way to practice meditation. In fact, if you've been here six months ago, I would have been sitting on a chair because I was having some knee issues. And, uh, you know, we, we gravitate between chairs and cushions. And I think there are more chairs possibly in the in the back cupboard still and there are still some empty chairs and please feel free to mix it up a little you know especially if you're not used to sitting on the floor you find yourself on the floor more than usual you you're welcome to change between cushion and floor uh, in different different sittings the only thing is because there aren't enough chairs for everybody um, we'd ask you to if you're claiming one place as your own with your your things, um, just claim either a chair or a mat and then look for where there's a, a spare chair or a spare mat when you want to move uh, to a different spot. So um, just to say something, I'm going to borrow this chair about sitting on a chair. <laughs> so I can go sideways on actually. Um, it's really helpful, as Chris said yesterday, this principle of having the hips higher than the knees. So we're all different heights. For me, actually, this, or at least the hips at the same height as the knee. For me, this chair is quite a good height. And so there's a slight downward slope to my legs and my feet can be flat on the floor. If your legs are shorter, you might need to have a cushion under your feet or a mat under your feet, just so that your, your legs aren't hanging and you're in touch with the floor. 
you might also, if you're, especially if you're taller, want to put a cushion or something on the chair. In fact, this actually for me is quite nice too. So there's a, well, it's a bit much, but there's a, there's a little tilt to the pelvis. And this principle also applies if you're sitting on, the, on a cushion on the floor, that um, if you're sitting a little bit forward on your sit bones, so I'm sitting on the edge of my cushion, and I know I've got a weird cushion, it's not the, the round ones that everybody has, but if you're sitting sort of on the front edge of the cushion, then the pelvis will tilt slightly forwards, and that will help your back not to round and cave in, which actually collapses the chest, puts a strain on the shoulders, and um, can start to develop tension. On the floor, you could be on cushions. Oh, the other one other thing about the chair is it can be really helpful to sit away from the back of the chair so you're not leaning back in it. Or if you are at the back of the chair, to do so in a way where there's just a light contact with your back and the back is upright. So whatever, again, whatever we're sitting on, this sense of uh, letting the spine be really upright with its natural curves, but we want to have that sense of balance and self-supportedness in the posture, and that really helps with wakefulness and also with a good alignment. Okay. And then on the floor, you have these two options of sitting cross-legged on a cushion or you could be kneeling on a bench. I think there may be kneeling benches in the back cupboard. Or you can kneel on a stack of cushions. So you straddle the cushions and you like this. You probably, okay, not everybody. If you need to, if you need to move to see me, you're welcome to bounce up. And so this is a good, it can be a really good way to have, again, the stability of having the whole of your lower legs in contact with the floor and an upright posture, but you don't need the same sort of openness of hips as you need to sit cross-legged. It's also slightly less torque on the knees. Or you can come back to the cross-legged sitting posture Myself, I like to have one leg in front of the other rather than one on top of the other. I just find that, that my legs tend to go less to sleep, but we're all different and you, you'll need to experiment. And then again, to have enough height under your bottom that the knees and the lower legs can rest on the ground. Sometimes that just doesn't work. And then if the knees are still floating, then just put something, a blanket or a cushion under your knee so that your knees are supported. So again, you've got as much of your lower surface in contact with the ground as possible. And then just one other thing, a very common thing that happens for people, especially as you do more sitting, is that um, the shoulders start to ache and you know the, the back droop, droops. One of the things that can be really helpful for keeping the chest open and supporting the shoulders so that the weight of your arms isn't pulling you into a rounded posture is to actually support your hands on something. So whether you're sitting cross-legged or kneeling, to have a cushion in the lap and you can rest the hands on the cushion. 
and that just helps to keep the chest lifted and open. Myself, I tend these days to sit with my hands on my knees, which also has the same effect of reminding me to, to kind of keep the collarbones wide so that the chest is open. So these are all things you, you need to feel your way through, especially in the course of this, these few days when we have you know, a lot more sitting. Uh, sometime later today, we'll offer a little opportunity for you to ask us specific questions about your posture, if it's um, giving, you, giving you some grief. And otherwise, just be caring. And this is an opportunity to practice all these attitudes that we've already named of, of self-care and attentiveness. What's really supporting you to be comfortable as possible, awake, present, and this real sense of uprightness, of taking, a, taking your seat in the middle of experience in a way that is dignified and uh, self-empowering. Uh, we convey so much to our mind through the posture in which we arrange our body. So really, one, one can't, it's not about getting the right posture, but it's about noticing this kind of uh, dance of the way that the body conditions the mind and the mind conditions the body and you can become an active player in that. So one of the things I also like to do when I set up my meditation posture is kind of bring attention to the touch of my hands and the quality of that touch. Am I touching the body, touching the hands with gentleness? As it can be an expression of an attitude in the mind and also what I'm doing with my face. You know, we hold unconsciously hold so much in the face. If I let my face soften and offer myself a hint of an inner smile, what does that do to the attitude in the mind in that moment? So there's, a, there's time and space to investigate and play with all these things over the course of the day. So we really, um, this morning and actually throughout the whole weekend, want to encourage this uh, unification, this resting, relaxing of the, the heart and mind and the sense of really integrating it with our felt embodied experience. As Chris said, the mind really loves to settle down. It loves to settle down and clarify but it's so unused to having the opportunities to do this that it needs our, our support uh, in how to do that and how to get us all arrived in one place. And the, the theme of, of collecting ourselves is not exclusive to the periods of formal sitting. So a lot of what I'll say actually pertains to uh, at times when we're not on our seats in the hall, um, but it's also really best cultiva or cultivated when there's less distraction. So this is, this is, these, these sittings really support the mindfulness in the rest of the day and what we do in the periods between also will really support what happens when we sit. So we want to, we're what we're practicing really together is um, based on what in the, the Buddhist 
psychological mapping of this meditation practice is called the first of the four foundations of mindfulness or four ways of establishing mindfulness. And it's really the foundation of all mindfulness practice. And that's through mindfulness of the body. So we're divesting um, our energy. Uh, our energy goes where our attention goes from the kind of verbal conceptual uh, loops that we spend so much of our time in and really bringing that interest, uh, that attention into the body. And there are, many, there are many ways of experiencing the body. There isn't one right way to, the, to experience the body. You, you, you need to feel out your body for yourself. And w but I'll just sort of name uh, ways in which we, we do this, which you will already be practicing and have practiced. But one is, of course, to be aware of, to feel out the posture of the body. So just noticing how your body is arranged in space. You know, what's up, what's down, what's in contact with what. Uh, and really getting a sense of the, the disposition of, of arms and legs and so forth. Feeling your way into your posture. Feeling sensations of contact with ground, with earth, with seat, with cushion, with hands on the legs or bits of, bits of body on one another and the contact of your clothing and skin. Um, noticing the movement of the body. And when we're sitting, this is movement of the breath normally. Uh, even when we're sitting still, actually, there's a lot of movement uh, going on within the body. We can uh, have a wider angled attention or we can have a, a narrower beam of attention. It can be really helpful to direct attention to specific points in the body. So the soles of the feet on, on in contact with the ground, if you're seated on, a, seated on a chair, and if you're seated on a chair, to really have the, the feet, both soles firmly planted on the ground, or the contact of legs and whatever bits of your body are in contact with the ground if you're uh, sitting on the floor. The hands, as I've already mentioned, really sensitive part of the body that we can, we can kind of uses a spot that we can bring our attention home to again and again. It's noticing all the different uh, sensations of contact, of touch in the hands. And we were talking, we've mentioned, I think, the, the sense of the, the texture of sensations. So as I feel into the way that I experience body in contact with the ground, I'm really aware of the sensations of pressure and of firmness. So in the, in the traditional teachings around mindfulness of the body, one of the ways that's offered of, of contemplating experience of the body is through the elements, the four elements of earth, water, fire, air, and actually eventually space, but you know, really thinking particularly about the first four. You know, do you feel the earthiness of your body? this sense of solidity and firmness. And actually, where's the, the, the 
difference between the body and what it's sitting on. As to me, there's, there's an experience of earthiness that actually continues from the floor through the body. Or um, fire, the heat, so sensing temperature changes and temperature in the body. Where is it warm? Where is it cool? Yeah, how is that changing, ebbing and flowing? Or the wind or air element, the element of movement within the body, particularly the movement of breathing. And wa the water element of softness, of fluidity within the body, sensing moisture, sensing dryness, sensing just the, the kind of soft, fleshy qualities of the body. So it's such a rich territory for investigation and exploration. And as we're doing that, as we're inhabiting the body with more, uh, more awareness, of course, um, thoughts will come and go. It's really useful to remember that thoughts are not, we're not supposed to be getting rid of thoughts. They're not just going to disappear like that. They, it's, they'll arise as naturally as the sounds arise around us in the environment. But what we can begin to stop doing is to stop jumping on the thought trains as they go past. So it's just a, a friend's nine-year-old son this week just introduced me to a computer game called Crossy Road. I don't know whether any of you have children and have come across it, but it's a constant whizzing past of traffic of all sorts. And you have to kind of cross all these endless number of roads and not get squished by the oncoming bits of traffic. And uh, our minds can feel a bit like the, the experience of Crossy Road sometimes. And so we just, if we're really kind of staying present in touch with the body's experience, then we have this opportunity to just see the thought trains coming and not jump on them. Or if we jumped on them to actually recognize, oh, I've jumped on them, I've lost awareness of the body, lost awareness of the breath, and just come back to uh, whatever it was that we, whatever it was that we were in touch with before. So one of the things as we practice mindfulness of the body is to really get a feel for how you can inhabit your body, what um, aspects of a bodily experience or felt sense of the bodily experience is comfortable for you, nourishing and supportive as a, as a thing to which to reorient the attention again and again. And we're all a little bit different in this regard. But again, I do recommend things like the soles of the feet and the bottom in contact with the ground or the hands. Or if this works for you, the breath is another. Uh, breath and body are not two separate things. The breath is part of the body's experience. So to, to kind of get familiar with some aspect of being in the body that feels like a, a good settling, welcoming home for attention. And then we just practice returning there okay, when we notice that we've, we've drifted away. Okay, so I would probably should practice now. <laughs> so if you'd like to stand and have a stretch, rearrange yourself in any way, please do that. <coughs>
So setting up your posture with this sense of care and unhurriedness, really taking time to feel how the body's arranged, feel into any little micro adjustments that you might want to make. Sensing how the sit bones are in contact with whatever seat you're using. Finding the, the base of the spine and just seeing if you can find that point of balance where the back feels really balanced, upright the shoulder the shoulder blades are resting down the the midline of the back the collarbones wide and the arms are hanging naturally and you may feel find that your hands rest on the legs or together in the lap or on a cushion if they're resting on a cushion Letting the face soften. Relaxing around the eyes, the forehead. Around the jaw and the mouth. Letting the shoulders melt. The arms and hands softening. Bringing this suggestion of softening to the belly, to the trunk of the body. We're not demanding softness, we're just offering it as a possibility that the body can start to melt. To let itself go into the holding of gravity. So the legs soft. The ankles and the feet.
lingering perhaps with the sense of body resting on earth. Where and how is the contact with the earth felt? Touch, tingling. Pressure. Firmness. Movement. Coming home to this body. this field of sensation.
You might notice how even though we often chunk them into separate practices, the awareness of sounds or hearing is also really within the domain of mindfulness of the body. How the experience of receiving bodily sensations can also include the receiving of sounds, so we don't need to use it to shut things out. It can be an inclusive receptivity. And how sound lands as vibration in the body. There's a kind of fuzzy edge between the experience of hearing and touching. So in a moment when you hear the sound of the bell, see if you can include that in the receiving of body sensations and feel the vibration of the bell in the body. This uh, felt sense of the body, this inhabiting of sensations, can really support a continuity through the different postures and activities of a day on retreat, or indeed in daily life. But this is our primary kind of ground and interest in this kind of setting. You know, and the Buddha's teachings are very clear that there isn't a hierarchy of postures. It's not that sitting is the real deal, you know, what it's all about actually really encourages this continuity, this seamlessness of embodied awareness through sitting, standing, walking, lying down, moving between those. 
And the alternating of periods of sitting and standing and walking is, you know, the rhythm of the formal practice on a retreat such as this. And so really to uh, practice bringing in a seamless way, bringing this sensed awareness of the body into the experience of standing and walking. And somehow these practices really support each other, the sitting and the standing and the walking. It's the combination of them that so powerfully can orient our beings towards a deepening of mindfulness. So an encouragement to give the same uh, interest and friendliness and uh, sense of possibility to the walking periods as to the sitting periods. Many people in fact find that it's in the walking that they have most insight which is you know, which is interesting, something about moving <laughs> that can be supportive of moments of seeing or understanding more deeply. And we're used to walking to get somewhere, <laughs> you know, and of course, what's distinctive about walking meditation practice or standing you know standing and walking meditation practices where we're practicing being here <laughs> so it's walking to walk to be here rather than got to get somewhere else you know so you know in a moment when we go into the walking period it's not that the meditation starts when i get to the walking path. You know, it's like actually the whole process of standing and pausing, breathing, and then walking to wherever we're going. Uh, that's all part of the practice. That's all part of the opportunity. And having a walking path can be very supportive of deepening in this. So a path, say, of 10, 12, 15 steps, paces in a straight line that has clear beginning and end and that doesn't bisect anybody else's walking path. <laughs> uh, it can really support, it's part of what we mean by formal practice. You know, it has a form to it. And having a form really supports the collecting of intention, the collecting of uh, attention, you know. And so, uh, just to have this sense that it is a practice, although it says on the schedule walking meditation, we could think of it as standing and walking meditation, you know. So that the, the standing, the standing at one end of the path is equally part of the practice. It, it's not like cricket where you have to see how many runs you can get during the walking period, you know. It's like 
this is about being here. Yeah. So taking the time really to arrive in the standing. I find it helpful to ha have a question like, how does it feel to stand? Or how does it feel to walk? Yeah, to keep that as a, a, a curiosity at the front of the intention, you know, something to keep coming back to. How does it feel to stand? You know? Grounding, uprightness, this fuzzy quality that Jaya was talking about. And then in due course, how does it feel to move from standing to walking and really to be curious about kind of this process that we take for granted, don't we? Take for granted being able to walk until we can't any longer, you know? And actually there's something very precious about bringing beginner's mind to walking and kind of seeing what a it's a kind of curious shifting of weight and balance and sensitivity, contact. You know. And so, you know, really valuing each step, really valuing each step. Thich Nhat Hanh, Zen master, sometimes says, the miracle isn't to walk on water, it's to walk on the earth, you know. And there's something about walking practice that you kind of reawaken to the wonder of being able to walk and have that kind of aliveness that comes with the movement. And helpful to sense, well, what keeps uh, the attention in contact with that aliveness? And the soles of the feet really helpful as a kind of foundation for that. It may be that particularly if the mind is feeling quite restless or you know, scattered, just to keep coming back to that contact of the soles of the feet and the ground. Or the, m the kind of simple movement of, of how it feels to lift a foot, to move it, to place it. Just the sanity of that midst the you know, crazy scatteredness of the mind. You may have a sense of actually, yeah, I can feel that and I can just feel the whole body upright walking, moving through space. That kind of feels more delicious just to feel the whole body moving. You know? so, so playing with what, the, what supports this connection the sustaining connection with the experience of walking. Soles of the feet, yes. Maybe that you widen the lens a bit to the lower half of the body. Oh, too much, back to the feet, <laughs> you know, whole body. Playing with that. Playing also with pace. So sensing what pace helps to keep a sense of connection. You know? It may be that to begin with it's a pretty normal walking pace, you know, that you're just able to, to kind of be in contact with the body as it walks in that way. And then to see, well, what happens if I just slightly slow that down? And, oh, I can get more granular in the sensitivity to, to movement, you know. So just to play with that. 
a sense of play really helpful in this practice because it keeps it light. You know, it keeps it not something you've got to get right or do right, you know. It's play. <laughs> you know? So playing with pace and uh, we could say kind of foreground. So the soles of the feet is the foreground or lower half is the foreground. Does, does that make sense? You know? Foreground, background, helpful because we don't have to get rid of the, you know, the bird song, the sunlight, the brightness, the beauty of the day, the feeling of the air on the face, you know, all of this kind of, and particularly with a day like today, you know, to, to be enjoyed, to be savored, you know, and to know where the foreground is, is helpful, can even support me being more present for the, when I just pause and take in the blueness of the sky or the freshness of the air, you know. Soles of the feet will enable that. So, uh, you may choose a walking path outside, anywhere. It can be helpful to have the same path that you come back to cause y so that you don't have to keep kind of making a new choice, but just that sense, okay, it's between that twig and that leaf, you know, th that's my path, <laughs> you know. There's also the walking room, if actually you feel like you could do with being inside um, for the practice. Bringing a sense of enjoyment, bringing a sense of enjoyment, so helpful you know, to sustaining the intention you know, and the connection. And there's so much to enjoy here. So we'll take some time now for uh, this walking period. And uh, you don't have to watch the clock, the bell will ring and someone is back in due course, but time to enjoy standing and walking. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.